Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Dave Jenkinson presents a portrait of the Twelve Disciples of Jesus. And now, here's Dave. Thank you again, uh, Gary, Sharon, Trevor. Appreciate the ministry and worship during this uh, service, this past service. It was very special and uh, heartwarming. And very fitting introduction to the the uh, passages that we're going to be looking at. Um, I feel like a person that's uh, maybe a doctor and I've never experienced what a doctor feels like, so that's maybe a poor illustration. But um, uh, someone who's uh, maybe a coach and, and asked to give uh, a, a sermon on uh, a series of 12 football players, because my topic for this morning is the 12 disciples, and this uh, passage or passages that talk about them um, just don't do them justice. So you really have to take a moment to, uh, to recognize that this has to be from the Lord in order to get anything from it, because you can either be too wide and it's just, it's, it's just too mind-boggling and you've lost everybody, or too narrow, and it, it really loses the sense of what's, what's really there. So, um, yeah, so we better start with prayer. I guess that's, and, and, and a prayer of thanksgiving. Um, we were talking this morning about the treasuries of snow, and I'm a bit happy that I'm not in Buffalo. I don't know about you, but um, uh, it's much easier to take care of a one-inch snow. We'll have it. it there's, no, there's no problems. Uh, I've been singing, I'm dreaming of a green Christmas forever. Living in northern Ontario, they say, you're crazy, Dave, to do that. But uh, uh, nevertheless, um, we can be thankful that we are here today, that we are breathing today, and we are worshiping in his presence today. Let's just take a moment to... Give thanks. Lord, we just pause to say thank you for your presence here. We thank you that it is in your word that we find life. It's not in the words of any speaker. It's not even in the words of the hymns, but it's in you we find life. And thank, thank you again for your presence amongst us. We thank you for this time, and we pray that you will be just further praised as we look into the scripture together. And we give you our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The topic of disciples uh, is actually three different passages, and I'm not going to read all three of them, but we are going to look at one passage. And before we do that, it's helpful to know what is a disciple. And so uh, we have a few slides that hopefully will be able to assist us on this subject. The meaning of a disciple. What is a disciple? It comes from the Greek word um, mathetes. A learner, and uh, the Latin is disciplus, or a scholar, or a student. It's only found in the Gospels and Acts, and it is in contrast to the teacher, didaskalos. So, basically, in modern terminology, a disciple is an apprentice. Now, that maybe we can understand. You uh, have uh, been in the trades, some of us have been in the trades, I remember... At one point in time, I was uh, in as an apprentice mechanic, and my shop foreman was my teacher. So I was his disciple. I was his pupil. 
And of course, um, coming in, some people come into a mechanic position having had a lot of garage or farm experience. And they've really had a lot of training. In my case, I had a couple of months of modest experience working in a high school setting in grade 10. So when I started, I was as green as green could be. I didn't know when they were telling me a joke and saying, get the left-handed widget over there, Dave. There was no such thing. I actually went looking for the left-handed widget. It made a lot of laughs. But um, the, uh, the fact is a disciple is an apprentice. A uh, couple of good things the shop foreman told me that have stood in uh, for many years. No such thing as a five-minute job, Dave, he would say, as a, as a customer would say. Could you just squeeze my car in for a five-minute job? It's just five minutes. And he'd look at me and he'd growl and say, no such thing as a five-minute job, which is true. <laughs> uh, then there was another thing that he would talk about, and that was if you were running into electrical problems, he'd say, don't. Go after the big stuff. Check the fuses first. And those little bits of information went a long way for me personally. So a disciple, someone who not only accepts the views of the teacher, but practices them. There's two parts of this, two sides to being a disciple. You accept it up here in your mind, but you also practice it with your feet and hands. And if you don't have the second half of that, you can't call yourself a disciple. If your life does not match what, what your teacher is telling you to do, please don't call yourself. And when it comes to Jesus, we are called to be his disciples. In fact, the great call in Matthew 28 is go out into all the world and teach all the nations is what uh, one version says. But it actually is the word disciple all nations, disciple all Gentiles. In other words, go out and make more disciples. So we are called not only to be a disciple in the 21st century, we are also called to make more disciples. There were disciples of John the Baptist. Some of the earliest disciples of Jesus were previously to that disciples of John the Baptist. You read about that in John chapter 1, where John the Baptist is speaking to two of his disciples, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. And so these two disciples start to follow Jesus. And he, they ask him a question, Where are you dwelling? Where are you staying? And he says, Come and see. Come and see. Isn't that an interesting invitation? Come and see. It's not, he doesn't overwhelm them. This is the God of the universe they're talking to. This is God in flesh dwelling amongst us. He could have, he could have said to them, oh, I in the beginning was the word. He could have said to them that. He could have said, in the beginning, God, me, created, you. Um, he, but he didn't. He instead says, come and See, keep it simple. The KISS method. You know what KISS stands for. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, sweetie. Oh, you thought it was something else? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Disciples of John the Baptist. Disciples of the Pharisees. Matthew 22, 16 and Mark 2, 18. There's over and over again. There were those who would come up to Jesus and say, but we are the disciples of the Pharisees. Or John 9, 28. We are disciples of Moses. Who are you? 
Boy, if he had just declared himself like God declared himself at Mount Sinai with rumblings and earthquakes and fire and, and a magnificent glory, they would have known exactly who he was. But you see, he reveals himself to those who want to know God, who want to know holiness. And so, disciples of Jesus come to pass. Twelve of them, actually. Matthew 10, verses 1 to 4, he called his twelve disciples to him. Mark, which is the passage that I've uh, kind of highlighted in the slides, Mark 3, 13 to 19, he went up to the mountain and he called to them those he himself wanted. And they came to him and he appointed twelve for reasons, that they might be with him. Number two, that he might, they might send them out to preach. Number three, to have power to heal sicknesses and finally to cast out demons. And then they gives the list of the names. Just a side here, a short aside. Have you picked up on the fact that the very first reason Jesus called disciples to himself was that they might be with him? When Joseph was struggling, here his betrothed fiancé is expecting, and she tells him it's from God. This new birth is uh, something that God is doing, and he's troubled. The angel of the Lord comes to him in Matthew chapter 1, and he says, You shall call his name Jesus. Everything's okay. And he will save his people from their sins. His name, Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And so, the first thing about this challenge to you as a disciple of Jesus is God with you. No, I don't mean right here. I hope he's here, too. But I mean the other 167 hours of the coming week, or for that matter, last week. How's it going? How's your relationship with the God who wants to be with you? He is with you, whether you recognize it or not. But are you listening? Are you letting him lead you? Are you following him? That he might send them out to preach. That's the second reason for the disciples being called, that they would get the word out. Preaching the word, Paul says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by your great oration. No. Hearing by your stupendous abilities in giftedness. No. Your giving and your love and your compassion. No. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It is the Word of God, the Bible, which brings people... Are we teaching our children the Word? Are we just teaching them stories about the Word? There's a difference. It's not your Word or your paraphrase of the Word that's going to save a person. It is God's Word that will save a person. And we need to use the Word in evangelism. Personal... Children and corporate. The third and fourth things, the power to heal sicknesses and the power to cast out demons. 
The early disciples were amazed when they went on their first missionary journey. They came back saying, even the demons are subject to your name. They still are. And if you are having problems with darkness, start praying this simple prayer and really meaning it. And this is it. Please, Lord, push back the darkness from my life right now and keep it that way. And you will discover that the devil will not make you do it. It might be your flesh. We often as Christians give the devil a lot of glory for the fleshly habits that we ourselves have. Because we know the body is not redeemed yet. And so your package, what you were given at birth, your parental default settings, and all of the history of your life is all bound up in your brain and your mind and your soul and your heart. And so when you get saved, he dwells through the Holy Spirit in your life. But you've got a lot of pre-programming that's got to be undone. And the good news is he is willing to do it if you will let him. The Holy Spirit always comes in holiness. And for those who say, I can believe and trust Jesus as a Savior for my escape from hell, but I don't want holiness, you are living a lie. Because he is the holy God. And he comes. And that was the thing about the disciples that they had to learn. Because they were followers, but they did not have true rebirth. The rebirth that Jesus talked about in John chapter 3, they did not have that until at the very end of the story, when Jesus in John chapter 20 breathes on them and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. And so it is. Four reasons, and then we have the people listed. Now, if you read the three different passages, that is Mark chapter 3, the passage we've, we are looking at, and then, of course, um, the passage in Matthew, which was Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 to 4, and then Luke, which is Luke 6, 12 to 16, you will find, and this will blow you away, they're not all the same names. Like, if you read them in parallel, you will discover there are different names in that group. And you go, oh, there's an error in the Bible. No, there is no error in the Word of God. The Word of God is true. Thy Word is truth. Sanctify them by thy word. So when you come to what is an apparent error, please remember, the error is in you, not in the word. It's our perception. You see, this validates the authenticity of the word of God. If you had three people who gave exactly the same list in the exact same order and with the same names exactly, Guess what you would say? There's collusion. They set this up. This is not true. It's fake news. But because God is so gracious to make sure that people will see that it is true, he gives three lists of which most of the names are the same, but there are some names that are different. For example, he talks about in Matthew... Uh, let's just see if I can get those. Uh, Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus. That's in uh, chapter 
10, verses 3. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, and James the son of Alphaeus and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus. In Mark's account, when you get to that, you get Matthew and Thomas and James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot. See, there's a few differences, but let me assure you, just like sometimes you're known by your first name and sometimes you're known by your last name, there is no discrepancies here. And we, can't, we don't have time to go through into all of it today, but I can assure you the Word of God is true. Same people in every one of those lists. Very briefly, 12 men called to be pupils, called to be apprentices, called to be preachers, called to be healers, called to be with Jesus. And these, as they were called, were different, but yet somewhat the same. The first six or so of them would be fishermen. Rough, hardy, willing to get wet, willing to take on the weather, knowledgeable of the weather. You know, when they went out that night, do you honestly think a sailor, a fisherman goes out into this lake, into the middle of the lake, with the purpose of crossing the sea, crossing the lake, if he thinks there's going to be a nasty storm that's going to swamp the boat? No. They had no hint of what was coming. And there was Jesus on the shore. And Jesus was praying for them that their faith would not faint. And that storm came upon them so quickly. It was almost without warning. And when it came at four o'clock in the morning, they were ready to be drowned. And there's Jesus walking on the water. I love that. He walks on things that frighten us. The storms of life will have you by the, by the hair, swinging you around. And here, there he is. And he's right beside you. And he's not even moved by the winds. Yes. Each one of these individuals, some were with Greek names like Philip and Andrew. Others, James and John, sons of Zebedee, sons of thunder. Jesus knows them. And I guess the point that I would like in this very short moment of introduction to the twelve disciples is to do this. Remind us that they were human, that they were broken, that they were failures, and they were sinful. But Jesus had called them to himself. Doesn't that speak of us, each one of us? Failures, broken, sinful, but called. I heard him call. That was enough. He called my name. As we look at these, these individuals, and as we think of them, we could go into lots of time, but I just want to mention a couple things about those who cannot be Jesus' disciple. Those who cannot be Jesus' disciple, spoken by Jesus himself in Luke fourteen twenty six. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or his mother or his wife or his children or his brothers or his sisters, yes, and his own life also... He cannot be my disciple. 
Hatred is meant to contrast how we make decisions. That word hatred. And he's not suggesting that we should be actively, positively against our families. But when you join with Jesus, you've become a part of a new family. You've become a member of his wider kingdom. Luke 14.27 says, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And Luke 14.33 says, Whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Those are hard statements, aren't they? Hard. Do you know why they're so hard? Because you and I cannot be his disciple. We honestly are not able to do these things. And that's the point. That's exactly the point. And we call out in mercy, Lord, make me your disciple. And he says, ah, I was waiting for that. You say you can't be my disciple because the standards are too high. I get it. But let me be the heart that motivates you. Let me change your heart into one that can do some of the things that I've called you to do. And he doesn't, by the way, he doesn't call for perfection for disciples. If he did, the book of Acts, the book of Acts would have described no imperfections of the early disciples. They were squabbling, they were fighting, they were arguing. There were some that had to be corrected, some disciplined. No, we are still in jars of clay, feet of flesh. And the good news is he loves us. We are his. And so, be reminded, yes, we cannot. Some said to him in Luke 9, 57 to 62, I will follow you wherever you go. They got it. They were ready to go with him. And he said, look at the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Are you ready to sleep in the fields? Wow. There's a lot of people sleeping in fields today. Maybe not right now, well, on this side of the earth, but then there's the other side of the earth where there's still lots of people sleeping in fields because they have nothing else. But he says, no, be prepared to sleep that way because you've been called to love me and I've called you to do that. The next one said, uh, after Jesus said to him, follow me, he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. I want to zero in on that phrase, me first. That's not part of the t-shirt the Christian wears. <laughs> no. God first. Jesus first. And so, he says, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and preach the kingdom. Now, do you, do you suppose he was really saying, you know, don't, don't have a funeral? Well, I've talked to people about this, and I remember speaking with a gentleman who was on the mission field, and his father actually passed away while he was on the mission field. And he was unable to come home. Do you know how hurtful, how hurtful that must have been for him? But the Lord reminded him of this. His father was a believer, and he would be reunited with his father in glory. And what a reunion that was going to be. 
It was going to be even greater because he had missed that. Now, he didn't deliberately want to miss that. It was circumstances and finances and the guidance of the clear guidance of God. And so, sometimes that happens with following Jesus. And then the third one said, I will follow you, but let me first just go say goodbye to those who are at the house. Again, me first. Not part of the disciples' vocabulary. And he says, no. No man having put his hand to the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So let me remind you that no one can become a disciple of Jesus unless they are born again. The new birth, it's very quick. It's not a lifelong process. It happened as Paul in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus. It happens in time and space where you look back and say, I was saved. Just like the songs that we were singing about. Because it's something that you can identify sometime in your life when you passed from death into life. Some may be here, like I was, who are still on the side of death. And you've never experienced life. I would encourage you to get real with God, to confess and repent of your sin, and to turn your life over to the Lord Jesus and say, I can't do this, but please come into my life and become my Lord and Savior so that I can be your disciple. Paul reminds believers that those who profess or confess with their mouths must live what God has put into their lives. And this is why Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, sup with him, and he with me. And this is the essence of being a real, a real believer, fellowshipping with Jesus. You want to know how to get to know people? Invite them over to your house and have a meal with them. You want to know how to get to know God? Invite him into your house. And with no bars, no hold, hold bars, no, no, no re regrets, no denial, just come in, Lord. Sweep the house. Be here. Give me life. There are signs of a true disciple. Here's quickly three signs. John 8, 31. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Do you like God's word? Do you read God's word? How many scriptures have you read even this day? John 13, 35. By this all will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It doesn't say like, by the way. It says love. Love goes beyond like. I can like a person and spend very little time with them. But love takes the sacrificial act of doing something that is in their best interest for them. And by this was my Father glorified that you bring forth much fruit. So you will be my disciples. We kind of meandered around on the topic of discipleship. Reminding each one that we are called to be disciples, we are called to make disciples. Yet, we are individually together and collectively together a part of this grand design that he calls the church. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one church. And so you and I are part of an amazing I would call it an experiment, but I don't want to call it an experiment because I know the outcome. It's not an experiment. Experiments, you don't know the outcome. Amazing plan that Jesus has for all of humanity. 
Are you part of his plan? And if you are, how are you doing as a disciple of Jesus? May God bless you as we continue on for him. God bless you this week as you disciple on for Jesus. Father, pray that you be with us this week and that uh, remembering the words that uh, Dave brought us this morning, uh, that we live our lives out uh, according to your will. And uh, yeah, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you are in the Timmins area or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.